1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and law. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's
0: Steve Sparky. 5 at 1250 AM. The Fan. Normally Ryan Horvath of MGM Tonight, part of BetQL. Uh, is with me for all of our Curt and Long episodes, but uh, he is traveling back to Washington, D.C. He was actually at the Packer game yesterday. Now him and his family are headed back to D.C. So he can't do the podcast, uh, he told me, uh, today. So I rallied the troops and got my guy Zach Jacobson, Packer beat writer for CBSSports.com to join us instead. Follow him on Twitter at It's Zachary J. Always an entertaining follow. Uh, and I guess coming off of this game, uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, a 41 to 17 win for the Packers. I think a lot of people thought that the Packers had a good chance to win if Watson and Keyshawn Nixon played. Uh, they both played. Keyshawn Nixon, I, play, I think, played three total plays uh, in this game. That was the extent of it. Watson was out there, didn't have like a touchdown or any type of big impact. But I don't know if anybody saw a special team score, a defensive score. I mean, it was fourteen nothing, and Aaron Rodgers and and the Packers' offense hadn't done squat at that point, and they were already up, you know, fourteen to three or whatever it was uh, for the Packers. I think that was the most impressive thing of the of the whole game.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, they were up fourteen to three, and at that point, I remember counting they only ran eight offensive plays, so it's yeah. like they hardly touched the ball on offense, but they were finding ways to win in other ways, and that's like the perfect embodiment of this team right now. Like, yeah, they're tough, they're gritty, they're not dying, they're not going down or at least not without a fight, but they're scrapping and finding ways to win. And I think for this team, if they're going to do anything, if they're going to miraculously sneak into the playoffs and have some kind of crazy run, whatever 2010 esque kind of run, if they're going to do that, then they need to be able to find other ways to win. And for, I think the first time all season hell, the first time in, in years, it feels like they played complimentary football in all three phases. And even Aaron Rodgers said so after the game, but, special teams is clicking after the we can brush aside the 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 punt block at the very right. beginning of the game we can kind of just forget about that because right after that Keishon Nixon gets the perfect blocking on that kick return and takes it 105 yards to the house but aside from that special teams is clicking and Tariq Carpenter has emerged as a player on special teams their seventh round pick he's looked amazing and defense was clicking they're forcing turnovers they have 12 turnovers in their last four games during their four game winning streak and offense they're they're this is what I said yesterday. They're they're perfectly average. They're a perfectly average offense right now. Aaron Rodgers is perfectly average. He's not being the Superman like the, he used to be. And the thing is, in this offense, he doesn't need to be Superman. Everything is just kind of, you know, laid out for him schematically. He just needs to be able to hit the dinks and the dunks here and there. But the running game is moving. The you know receivers are making plays when they're asked to. I mean, they they were beating the Vikings by several scores, and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs didn't even touch the ball until late in the third quarter. So they're finding ways to win.
0: You know, that's, that's the thing. And I'm glad you bring that up about, about this Packers offense, because and we've talked about this before. I, I firmly believe that Mark Murphy, when he went out to hire the next head coach after Mike McCarthy was with the vision of, Who can get this offense to play at a high level without a Hall of Fame quarterback? How do we win without a Hall of Fame quarterback? Because at that point, he thought Rodgers was a couple years away from retirement. We're going to need somebody to carry this on. I don't want to go back to the 80s or whatever the case may be. How are we going to win? And I think Lafleur got that job because Lafleur sold him on his offensive vision of running the football, play action. We don't need a great quarterback to do this. You know, guys like Jimmy G and so forth and Jared Goff can take you to the promised land without it having to be a Hall of Fame-type quarterback. And when you watch this offense, when it's going correctly, and then you think of, okay, post Aaron Rodgers, and then you think of Jordan Love or whoever it's going to be. I think as a Packer fan, you feel even more comfortable about the future of this organization going forward. Because again, like you said, there's not the weight of the world put on the quarterback like there was, say, when Mike McCarthy was here.
2: Yeah, during the Mike McCarthy area, granted Aaron Rodgers was was younger he was like i said he was superman he had to do these crazy other otherworldly things he had to play outside the scheme he had to get outside the pocket guys had to master the art of working back to him when he's you know doing a scramble drill but as you said in this offense i mean i'm not saying you can plug in whoever the hell you want and you know they'll be able to operate the offense the offense efficiently but when it is running the way it is supposed to be run you see the 2020 season. You see the 2021 season. I think if the Packers had, you know, someone of a lesser talent, not Aaron Rodgers under center for those teams, they would have gone just as far. And that's not a discredit to Aaron Rodgers. He he he's Aaron Rodgers. That's why he had those two MVP seasons. That's why he looked so amazing because he was operating within that offense at a higher level. He just he knew every last little intricacy of the offense. And you know, it's that's why it's been kind of so frustrating this season because there's been times where he's played outside the structure of the offense and he's, he's reverted back to like that 2015, 2018 McCarthy era era where he feels the need to be Superman. And there's been so many times on film where there's guys running free across the field, running free underneath and he's missing them, you know, little dunk down throws that he's not really you, you know used to missing. So I'm sure there's a combination of, a lot of different factors the offensive line was shuffling early on yep there's so much inconsistency up front new receivers new supporting cast i mean yeah a lot of a lot of factors play into that and look no matter what whether it's it's whether he's running the offense the way it's supposed to be run or whether he's not they're on a four game winning streak they're sitting here at eight and eight one game left win beat the lions and you're in the playoffs somehow they're here. I, so. I like
0: to call it a magic carpet ride. We talked about it last <laughs> Monday. I said, magic carpet ride. Here we go again, because that's what it was when Rodgers and that team went to the playoffs. I was doing the, the Wendy's big show in the afternoon on 1250 in Milwaukee. Um, and we started talking about this kind of feels like a magic carpet ride where they're literally pulling dudes up off the street that are playing really well at that point. They're having to win each and every game on the way out. They win a low-scoring game to get in, and then they go on that run where they kill Atlanta. McCarthy is spouting off. I forgot which game it was before. I think it was before the Philadelphia game, and he was already talking about the possible next opponent and just moved on past Philadelphia on, like, a Friday before the game. And everybody on our show, Gary Ellerson, Leroy Butler, like, what is going on in Green Bay? This dude's already moved past the playoff game. Like, what is happening? And he felt it. I think they all felt it right now. And you see Rodgers Presser yesterday, and Packers Twitter always tweets it out, and you can go to their website and watch it too, but when Jason Wildy asked that last question about what this kind of meant to him, you could see, not that he was going to cry, but you could see him kind of feel like, dude, this has been crazy. Like the, the, the range of emotions that he's been through this year, like you said earlier, I think it was part of not trusting the offensive line, not knowing if the running backs could get to the holes that the offensive line may or may not be creating at that point, not having the big play threat because Watson wasn't that factor at that point uh, and trying to force something and make something happen. I think – the 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 pixie dust, the magic dust, where, where that came in for me was when you get three picks and a half against Tua. After the first pick, I texted my dad and I was like, i might be a little magic going on right now. After the second pick, he texted me back and said, I think you might be right. After the third pick, I was like, okay, I, I think we may be out of magic carpet right, right here. Now, I didn't know Tua was all jacked up and concussed or whatever and playing at that point. I had no idea, but still that just goes back to the, the little magic carpet ride type stuff. Then you come back and you get a kickoff return, of 105 yards from a dude that wasn't even thought to be a kick returner at the beginning of the year in Keyshawn Nixon. Then you get a pick six up a reflect of a deflection by Savage who was benched a couple of weeks ago. Come on, man. I mean, say whatever you want. And I, I'm sure the Detroit lions are excited and stuff to play this game at Lambeau field. But right now, Like, I feel like they can beat anybody. You get three turnovers a game for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers can beat anybody at this point in the NFC if they get three turnovers each game the rest of the way out.
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like fate,
0: doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, well, Rodgers brought up destiny. He used Mm -hmm. the word destiny yesterday uh, in his his post-game press conference. I'm just telling you, man, like Joe Barry's defense has been under fire all year. And after that three-pick game, I told Ryan Horvath, I said, dude, Joe Barry going to save his job. Joe Barry going (laughs) to save his job because Joe Barry gets this team in the playoffs and they're, they're getting, you know, interceptions and causing fumbles and creating turnovers. Let's say they go to the NFC championship game and they lose, but this Packers defense is playing at this level. I, I, I don't think Joe Barry's losing his job. Like everybody wants Jim Leonard around here because you know, the Badger defensive coordinator and they wanted him the last time, but, the the better th- this defense plays down the stretch run here, I think the better chance they have of having Joe Barry back. Zach,
2: I was actually thinking about that last night, and and just how enraged Twitter would be <laughs> if they brought oh Joe God. Barry back. But oh my, it, it would be it would be an absolute dumpster fire. It'd be chaos. But look, if this is the way this defense is supposed to look, like like what they've done these last four games, and I mentioned the twelve turnovers, then. It's definitely something that they have to entertain. And
0: well, this is what they thought it was going to look like at the beginning of the year. This is what I think everybody envisioned all year looking like this was going to be that top three, top five dominant defense. And this was going to carry the offense while they found their way with the wide receivers. And then it never happened.
2: And what was supposed to be the best secondary in the NFL. Yes. And they've just, they've looked like the polar opposite of that. And I mean, God, if this is what it's—I mean, remember too, this is like they're doing this without Eric Stokes. They're doing this without Rashawn Gary. That's a huge chunk of their pass rush. That like yep. that is their pass rush. And you alluded to the guys that they're bringing in off the street. Justin Hollins is one of them. He has two a good half, one. Yeah. yeah, two and a half sacks in his last five games. You know, like everything. I'm not one to draw comparisons, even though I've done it a couple times. I don't draw comparisons to you know 2010 and the Super Bowl run because I mean there's still a lot of work left to be done. But just. The energy around this team, the confidence, the momentum, and you know, I don't care what anybody says, momentum is a real thing. It, it yes, absolutely it is. is a real thing. I know that's like a polarizing topic on social media nowadays, on Twitter, uh, on NFL Twitter and stuff, but it's it's real, and you could feel it just just within this team right now, and also as you said, I think they can beat anybody as well. I think if a team gets hot at the right time, that's all that matters. You get you find a way to sneak into the postseason dance, and Anything could happen. We saw it in 2010, and again, I keep drawing comparisons to that year. I can't help it. But look, they lose that Lions game. Aaron Rodgers is concussed. Comes back. Well, he misses the Patriots game. Comes back. Absolutely torches the Giants. Like yep. it was from from that moment on, he just looked like a completely different quarterback. Like through the rest of the season, through 2011, 2012, it's like something clicked. I don't know what it was, but he comes back, torches the Giants. They they sneak past the Bears in the finale, get into the playoffs. Everything is history from there. You just need to get into the dance, and everything's
0: in front of you. Zach, think Anybody about this. Be There's a real possibility that their first game is going to be at San Francisco. Oh, You're know. telling me this doesn't set itself up for the Packers to finally beat a demon in the San Francisco 49ers, Rodgers to go home to beat the Niners in San Francisco to advance to the next round? Like, it's just, I don't know, man. It's kind of weird. It's just kind of setting itself up. To kind of play out the way that nobody thought it was going to play out. L- let's move on. Jair Alexander. Th- there was no Jair Alexander doing the gritty after a pass breakup back in 2010. That 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 cocky player did not exist. Alexander got blasted for calling that first game against Jeff- Justin Jefferson a fluke. Right? Got blasted. I hated it. I can't. I just, he drives me nuts with some of that stuff that he says. <laughs> Ryan Horvath loves the, the confidence and so forth, but it kind of bothered Horvath too, giving a bulletin board material. So going into this game, I'm thinking to myself, okay, best case scenario, he gives up one or two long plays to Jefferson, but maybe he gets a pick at the end of the game to save it for the Packers or something like that. It's probably best case scenario. There is no chance I would have bought in that he would have shut him out in the first half and would have allowed one catch the entire game, especially after he did that gritty. I was like, oh, hell now it's not. Now it's really not going to be good. This is way too early to be celebrating like this. And, and he he was then after the game, he's got that goofy, crazy, big hat on his head. Uh, <laughs> and he's calling out Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharpe saying, I'm not a good cornerback. I'm a great cornerback. And he is feeling himself right now. And to be fair, he should be feeling himself because they shut that dude down.
2: Everything becomes like a million times funnier when he's flapping his gums and he's got that big ass hat on his (laughs) ass. I can't I can't help it. But hey, personally, I I love it. I I love it a lot. I love the confidence. I love when I love when a corner just doesn't shut his goddamn mouth and he talks Mm -hmm. so much and he just gets into guys' heads. Sometimes that backfires. And granted, I think cornerback is like next to quarterback, it's like the hardest position on the field. And it's so highly scrutinized. Like the, one thing goes wrong, and all of a sudden, you're trash at your job. Yep. One guy catches a ball on you, catches two balls on you. You're trash. You're not good. I mean, we see it. We see it with Trayvon Diggs in Dallas. He has all those interceptions, but he gets beat. He gives up a lot of yards, but he has those interceptions. I call him the haha ha Clinton dicks of cornerbacks. He's that's, a gambler.
0: He likes to gamble for the big play.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's. And that's totally fine. Whatever your playing style is, then you're, you know, within that scheme, then so be it. But it's different when a corner runs his mouth and he backs it up. And absolutely, Jair did that. He he backed it up. I think it was, there was that 2018 game against the Rams in LA where he was just all over the field. He was a rookie. He was batting down passes left yep. and right. It was just sticky coverage. That was the best I've ever seen him. But I think yesterday against the Vikings, I think that's that rivals that game. Like, that's, that's up there as one of Jair's.
0: Best performances. Right. I agree. But the one thing that I didn't see coming, and I know Justin Jefferson did not see coming. I did not see Jair Alexander being physical at the line of scrimmage. Like he, he you could him. Yes, you could have. There's no way. J- Jair Alexander half the season has shown you the ability of, nah, I don't think I want to make that tackle. No, nah, I'm not <laughs> sure. I really want to put my head into that spot. I'll just let somebody else do it. And for him to play physical at the line like that and shove him, <laughs> put him about his butt a couple of times. like I. There's no way he could have saw that coming. There's just no chance. And he wasn't doing it consistently, but he'd do it randomly and he'd always catch him and screw up their pass route. Look at uh look at last
2: week when Jalen Waddle took that long catch and run and Jair whipped on the tackle. Yeah, just like a passive, just like like, yeah, I'm just gonna throw myself into the line of fire and whatever happens happens. Right? Just kind of just completely missed him. It was just a passive play, and now he's seen getting up in Justin Jefferson's face, pushing him, getting his hands on him. And that's like I, I don't know why it took so long for that to happen. Like you get Jair, it's one thing having him like you know shadow the best receiver on the other team. Like that's you know I get it. There's you know details of the coverage that doesn't allow it. You know their zone scheme, this and that. But let him get up in the face of a guy and just just you know deroute him, just push him off of his route, just screw up com- his timing completely because timing is everything for receivers, especially a guy like Justin Jefferson. His timing, the details of his route. You push him off that, just kind of you know get him moving in a different direction that changes everything. And I think it's, it's important. We give Joe Barry credit for that because that was part of Joe Barry's plan to let him shadow Justin Jefferson, get up in his face, jam him, press him at the line. That's, that's what Joe Barry did this week. And I think they're realizing like, Hey, okay, we should probably stick to stick to doing this. This is probably the best way to deploy Jair Alexander, our best cornerback. So, yeah. Great plan by Joe Barry and Jair. I think that was, like I said, one of his finest games.
0: That was amazing. I was very impressed. We talked about Savage, who was benched a couple of weeks ago, having a big play in this game, but we could not go on without talking about Adrian Amos, because again, I've said it on this podcast. I've said it in interviews I do for 1250, which we I do interviews with you throughout the course of the season as well for 1250. And it's They need safety help in the offseason. Like, they're gonna have to find two safeties. Probably both safeties have to be replaced at this point Amos and Savage. And both of those guys come up and make plays. Amos probably played his best game of his year, uh, of the year,
1: probably yesterday.
2: Yeah, I think going into yesterday, I think he might have given up the highest passer rating on the team or second. I'm not sure, but he's up there in the top two. I know that. Uh, so he needed a game like that. And I think, I, I know he said. He said that the whole handshake thing was the Darius Smith at the beginning of the game at midfield. He, he said that were, was going to happen. Yeah, he knew it was going to happen. They were laughing about it. Um, social media doesn't see that, of course. But, you know, I think maybe that. I don't know. Maybe that helped ignite something, you know, because he had he had a really good game. And I know he had the interception, but he was just he was sticking to his assignment all game long. I haven't looked at the tape yet or anything, so I haven't really fixated on him, but. You know, I, I know he was out there making a difference. And when you have game-changing safeties on the back end, that just makes everybody else's jobs so much easier. All three of their safeties had in receptions yesterday. Adrian Amos, Arnold Savage, yeah. and Rudy Ford. One of those guys that we talked about that they picked up off the street. They signed him in late August, like right as they released uh, Ty Summers. So yeah. it was like they kind of swapped with the Jaguars there. So, you know, he's been a, 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 a godsend, really, because... You don't bench Darnell Savage and you don't have that that moment with Darnell Savage where he kind of just steps back, plays one snap to no snaps in a game and kind of reevaluates himself, comes back, plays 50 something snaps last week and has the interception this week. Maybe, you know, his career is turning around for the better. I don't know. But, you know, you're not able to do that if you don't have a reliable guy like Rudy Ford on the back end. You're not allowed to do what the Packers were doing for a few games earlier in the season uh, in October and November where they were playing Darnell Savage as the nickelback. You can't do that if you don't have a guy you can trust on the back end. So Rudy Ford's been a very critical addition. That whole safety room just stepped up yesterday.
0: And to think that when they signed Amos and the Bears side, HaHa Clinton Dix, Bears fans thought they got the better end of the deal. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are stuck with Amos. Good luck. And, and now, uh, just at the end of last week, HaHa Clinton Dix, you know, signs a one-day deal, essentially, to retire as a member of the Green Bay Packers. He's done. And Adrian Amos is out there making plays the same week and the huh? Clinton and Dix retires. Not retires from the Bears. He's played with Washington after that. He'd been around. Uh, and Amos is still out there playing. So the Packers definitely got the better end of that deal uh, at the safety position. The other thing we have to talk about, I think, on the defensive side of the ball is getting some movement from that front line and, and being able to move that Vikings offensive line. Yeah, I know the Vikings were in like their third or fourth center or whatever the hell it was. Uh, but Kenny Clark comes up with a big play in that game. Reed was in the backfield a the bit. TJ Slayton showed up a little bit. I mean, that defensive line played fairly well. I mean, they going in, everybody talked about Jefferson, but that Vikings ground game, they can get going too. Uh, and, and they were able to hold their own and do their job.
2: Yeah. You're, you're seeing Devontae Wyatt starting to get more snaps. Too, you're seeing, yeah. T, like you said, TJ Slayton, you know, affecting the game. And also, yeah, they were on their third center, but you know, Going into the game, the Packers knew they were gonna be facing the backup with um
0: uh oh God who's their center. Doesn't matter. He got hurt. The backup got hurt in that game, got taken off on a cart, and then they went to the third string guy. Yeah. Right,
2: right, right. They're I'm trying to think of their starting center. Uh, but what whatever. He he was out, they were on their second string, he gets hurt, third string is in. Those those are the match the matchups that you need to exploit if you're a defensive front. If you're gonna be a good defensive front and you're going into Playing meaningful January football, you got to be able to to take advantage of those mismatches. You got to be able to affect the game up front, and especially against someone like Kirk Cousins. He's the majority of the time he's a statue in the pocket. It's rare. I know he did it a few times on on Sunday, but it's rare that he he takes off and runs. He can. He's mobile, but he's one of those statue quarterbacks where if you push the pocket back into his lap, then he just kind of like panics. You know he can't step up into the pocket, can't get out of the pocket. So that's something the Packers were able to do yesterday, and you're seeing a number of different guys up front affecting things. I feel like Kingsley uh, and Nagbari. I feel like he is affecting the game every single week. He a a batted pass. He's had sacks. He's been getting. He's been generating really uh, um, encouraging pass rush. And you know this is a rookie we're talking about, right? You know the Packers 55 had a better game than the Vikings 55. How about it? Yeah, and after. After every all the story, the storylines coming into the week about how the Packers wronged me, the Packers did me wrong. And, you know, I joined the Vikings so I can play them twice a year and he gets a, a snowman in the sheet, doesn't get anything. So, you know, and if the Packers are going to do anything, if they're going to make this playoff run. The best teams have the deepest defensive lines. I always reference the 2017 Eagles. They were cycling guys in and out. They had a deep front, just rich, rich with depth. And the same thing could be said about their 2022 team in Philly. But uh, if the Packers can be able to do anything, they need to be able to have a deep rotation up front. And that's where I think people, you know, kind of shrugged off the Dean Lowry thing, him going to injured reserve. But that's 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 a piece of debt, you know, whether he's a starter or not, whether he was taking snaps from Devontae Wyatt, whatever. That's still a guy that you can rely on that's been with the team since 2016 that can still, you know, play up front. He can It'd still be serviceable. He play. Yeah. yeah, he's serviceable. That's the best yep. way to describe him. He can still play against the running. He can still get some pass rush. And that's, I think that's going to hurt them. Now, they got to figure out a way to to stay healthy. I mean, they just got to hope things kind of swing their way and they're able to stay healthy up front. Because if they lose a guy, and I thought they lost uh, Jaron Reed yesterday. Yeah. He left for a little while. It looked like a hamstring issue, but he came back. Uh, that would be grim. That would be a pretty bad situation.
0: Alright, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Because we've been talking about that long for a little while about Robert Tunyon. Last couple of weeks, we talked about Tunyon, and you started looking back at his targets and catches. You're like, man, what happened? Like, this was like Roger's favorite target outside of Devontae Adams, and all of a sudden here, second half of the season, he's just gone missing in action. In fact, it got to the point that it was brought up to LeFleur, uh last week or the week before, and Lafleur was like, ah, you know, game plan, it's at the flow of the game, it's, you know, however the offense is going, you know, kind of just sidestepped it and gave some, some nonsense answer. Uh, but Tunyon now comes up with a big t- a big catch uh, and gets a touchdown in that game. I think if they can get Tunyon going again and-, and keep Watson healthy, that really adds something here because they really haven't had anything out of their tight end position all year long. Zach.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking
0: for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Yeah. And I've been screaming from the rooftops for them to get, uh, Josiah the more involved, you know, because I feel like when he's had his opportunities, he's been effective. He's been a good blocker. He's been, uh, an option as a receiver, but to Robert Tunyon, I mean, look, personally, I, I, I don't want to crap on the guy or anything, but I thought he was a very good piece of the scheme. I thought sure. a lot of what, a lot of what he did in 2020, he was able to kind of get these open looks in the scheme. He was able to see he schemed wide open into space. That's a big part of all of his touchdowns that season. Why, you know, he had such a, a such an impact that year, but, uh, Then he had the knee injury. I think it takes time for guys to really come back after the the knee injury. Like, yeah, sure, everything's healed down there, surgically repaired, everything's fine. But mentally, there's a mental hurdle hurdle that people don't really talk about. Like, they need to get back into that flow of playing and trusting their knee and playing fearlessly. And now, you know, you're kind of starting to see Robert Tunyon. He he's a little bit more of a factor in the passing game, and it'd be great if he can ascend a little more these last couple weeks. And you know, while the Packers get into the playoffs, because you know they need that they need that production at the position. It's not going to be Mercedes Lewis making these crazy catches like he did in Miami. It's Correct. not going to be him, you know, being that downfield threat. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had the luxury of a tight end like that since Jermichael Finley. So Correct. it's been a decade, Yep, you know, so yeah, they need Robert Tunyon to really be a factor in this passing
0: game. The other guy that we've been talking about not getting his money touches that we want is Aaron Jones. And they came out because Jones has been beat up. Let's be honest. I mean, he's been dinged up all year. He's not a big dude. He's going to be dinged up. He's got to play through it. And you saw right there the first half of the game that, okay, we're going to get Aaron Jones going one way or the other and see if he can stay healthy. And then he got dinged up again with that, that ankle came back and continued to play. I think that was a huge bonus for the Packers.
2: Yeah, and I I felt like I know everyone looked at the, the the Tyler Goodson elevation on uh on Saturday he was a healthy scratch but people kind of looked at that as like an option if Keyshawn Nixon can't go right. on kick returns but I think it was also some insurance in the backfield too I know they have AJ Dillon. they have Patrick Taylor who's on the fifty three man roster now but I saw that as a sign as like okay Aaron Jones is probably going to be good and I mean he 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 had fourteen carries yesterday fourteen carries sixteen touches total he had two two receptions so you know they they use him that's about like what you'd expect from him in a single game that work you know fifteen yes. fifteen 15 to 20 touches that's like yep. perfect and let alone the fact that he's managing knee and ankle injuries he's been on the injury report every week since november 9th he had a shin injury he's had a glute injury knee and ankle you know and he's gutting through it he hasn't missed a game he's been out there he played a, a, a season low last week in miami but you know that's just kind of the way The Packers have to ride with him. You know if they're going to use him effectively, get the most out of him, they have to kind of manage him. And Matt Lafleur said that yesterday. You know it's a it's a balancing act. It's a very fine line. Like how can we use him but also keep him, you know, healthy for 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 the games right. ahead because the season's not over yet. You know they gotta they gotta keep the long term view in perspective. So yeah, that's what they gave him yesterday. What he was able to do in those those kind of touches, like you said, perfect.
0: And the other thing too is, and, and that stack I thrown out this week. I forgot who threw it out. Somebody on TV. Throughout the stat that the Packers had lost two games all year. Uh, when you combined uh, Dylan and Jones, they get twenty-five uh, carries. They've lost two games when they haven't gotten twenty-five carries. They've lost every game. They're winless when they've had less than twenty-five between the two of them. And yesterday, I believe it was twenty-six between the two of them, fourteen and twelve between him and AJ Dylan. And I think that's that's the sweet spot. That's where you want to be. 25 to 30 carries between the two of those guys. And even though AJ Dillon isn't going to, you know, be the guy that's going to hit the home run like Aaron Jones can necessarily, he is the guy that's going to wear on you and beat on you and become more of a factor as the game goes on, uh, especially come, you know, third, fourth quarter, especially when you're in cold weather, it hurts either way, but it probably hurts a little bit more in the cold weather.
2: Oh yeah, this is the time of year. I think when the Packers drafted him with a premium second round pick that really pissed everyone off for some reason, this is the kind of thing the Packers had in mind. You know, these cold weather games at Lambeau late in the season when nobody wants to tackle a 247-pound running back. No one wants to have to deal with that. So that's why like you you see him kind of like, you know, turn up the heat a little bit as the weather drops. So you know, and he's had a great stretch last few games. I can't remember how many touchdowns. I think six touchdowns in four games. I'm not totally sure off the top of my head. But, you know, he's been a factor in those kind of like goal line situations, short yardage situations. They're using him the way that he needs to be used in those situations, which was like the you know, the only thing I want to see eliminated from, from from the offensive game plan is those goddamn pitches. Yes. If you're going to run a pitch to one of your running backs. I think we all know who the proper who the guy for the job should be. So yeah. I can't imagine why they try that with AJ Dillon. Uh, it, it was funny to see Zadarius Smith completely whiff on the tackle, but uh, you know, yeah, AJ a- a. Dillon. I mean, he's he's as good. I-, I would say not to sound like Matt Lafleur, but he's as good of a backup running back I think in in, in the league. You know, no, I know you, you you have the Browns Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You have Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I like the Ravens punch between Gus Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, but Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, it's within that like top five as far as tandems go. A.J. Dillon is like the perfect complimentary back. And I know the thunder and lightning term is used a lot, but that is thunder and lightning right there.
0: One last uh, area I want to cover before we wrap up. uh, Curtin Long, Zach Jacobson, again, CBS Sports Packer, beat writer, follow him on Twitter at It's Zachary J. That is special teams. You know, all this hubbub about going out and getting Rich Passaccia in the offseason, giving him a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever the hell they paid him uh, in the offseason. And then Brian Gunnigan's pretty much saying, hey, look, uh, we're doing things different this offseason. We're going out and we're adding special teams players to the roster. And every other year under Ted Thompson, under Brian Gutekunst, they went for the best second-string DB they could get or the best third-string DB they could get. And then they told the special teams coach, okay, now make these guys work. In this instance, Masajja had some say of who he wanted from his past Raider teams or whoever that he wanted specifically for special teams and you are definitely seeing those guys that he went out and got uh, pay off for this Packers team. And, yeah, they've had two punt issues, the, the horrible fake punt idea that I hated uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and then you had the punt block here. Uh, but other than that, like, from a return unit, and Rodgers said it like, when was the last time you had a guy that was a threat? I mean, he took that ball out, uh, what, 105 yards, Nixon. And Rodgers said on the pass. In, in years past, he goes, I... Kneel the damn ball. Like, don't you dare take that ball. I'll just kneel the ball. Let's take it at 20 and move forward. And now even LaFleur said that he was surprised to start the second half that Nixon didn't take it out, that he stayed in there. Because at this point, he's like, you can take it off from wherever you want. If you can catch it, go. And that has been a huge turn of events. Because now you're giving this, as you put it, average offense, a lot shorter distance to have to go and not have to work full fields on a consistent basis. I think basaccio is worth every dollar they paid him.
2: It's even more important now when you see how they lost that game to the 49ers last year. Like this oh, yeah. is this is a paramount aspect to this football team right now. Like special teams need to be taken seriously, just as seriously as offense and defense. And I think the Packers have kind of embraced that mentality within the building. And Rich Bisace has just helped completely turn them around. That yeah, they've had their blunders this season. You know, it it hasn't been perfect, but it's what you expect. While they I mean everything isn't solved between you know when they bring Rich Basaccia in over the offseason program through mini camp through training camp you know everything they need to do isn't taken care of in that time span right they need the live regular season reps they need to get out there and experience things and implement you know everything Rich Basaccia has taught them so it's 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 a learning curve week by week and yeah they've screwed up here and there but they also found a serviceable return man a guy who is right up there with Dave Hampton and right up there with Roel Preston and right up there with Bill Blackman was a pretty good returner, I would say, but he he's right up there with some of the best guys in team history. He's making he he's breaking records, franchise records that haven't been touched since since 1950, since oh. 1971, and it's it's ridiculous. Keyshawn Nixon has been you know as big of a factor in this as as Rich Pisaccia. and you mentioned the guys he brought in from the Raiders. You know, Keyshawn Nixon being one of them. Dolan Levet has been a great player Rich. in special teams, and I mentioned uh, Tariq Carpenter earlier, like he. If the Packers are getting, you know, that kind of value out of a seventh round pick, a guy that can play on special teams and occasionally fill in on safety here and there whenever they need him to, then I mean that's that's remarkable. And I mentioned yesterday they gave him they gave him twenty four as you know, kind of like feels like a way to kind of pay homage to, to Jarrett Bush, who was a great right. teams player for them for 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 so long, and on that Super Bowl team as well. Yep. Um, you know, it's 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 fitting, you know. It's just that unit is completely coming together, and I think, you know, if two of your three phases of your football team are clicking, then that's good enough. That I think that's good enough, and we saw that against the Vikings. Defense, special teams are playing out of their mind. Offense, perfectly average, but they found a way to beat the Vikings. Put up 41 points right. on the Vikings, so
0: yeah. Yeah, it's been unbelievable, man. I'm talking, hop on the magic carpet right because it that is moving right now, folks. It is moving, and uh, I, you know, Detroit Lions, Jared Goff. I'm sure it'll be tough. Lions offense has been scoring a lot of points this year. One seven uh, of their last nine. Yeah, but their defense not so good. Uh, so we'll see as long as Christian Watson can stay healthy. I'm telling you this Packers offense can can, can deal with whoever you, you have to put in front of them at this point. Zach, thanks so much for joining us here on curd and long Zach Jacobson Packers beat writer for CBS sports.com. Follow him on Twitter at It's Zachary J. And, of course, you can download Curd and Long wherever you download your favorite podcast. whether that be Odyssey, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you are. Normally record Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We post uh, each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5 in the afternoon Central Time. And then the cuts and all that fun stuff gets uploaded uh, the next morning. So make sure to check us out. Have a good one, everybody.